Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of exploring strange new worlds and finding out things you never even thought to ask the questions about. We're going to go back to our Facebook and TriTac Gamers and a lot of other places where people have been giving us questions, and some of them which we've answered on those forums, but we want to make sure everyone's on the same page. So this time we're going to go and answer questions that have been given to us through audio mail. John, what you got? Oh, I got one of my players, Paul Nunes, otherwise known as Army Sergeant on the uh, TriTac forums, has some questions, but first let, let, let's let Paul introduce himself. Hi, this is Paul out in Colorado Springs. Longtime listener, first time caller. Thanks for the invite. You're welcome, Paul. Now he's just recording, folks, so don't you know he's <laughs> actually on the air with us. And here's his first question. Question, or maybe an observation, more likely. The business as a herd animal with sapiens, wouldn't their culture have adopted a highly formalized and cooperative social group? Wouldn't pairings and groupings expanding in twos be the norm? Would the business not have a defined caste system, maybe one built on guilds, such as a weaver's guild, a basket guild, a water seeker guild? That's a good question. Well, there's actually a bunch of questions in there. Yeah. yeah. The first one that I respond to is that whole idea of the pairing. When we did our podcast on the business, we suggested that because they have one hand and that's on the end of their trunk, that perhaps they work together in pairs to do things because that way you have two hands looks like a human has two hands. Much like the Brupians who are pairs of three, the Blizzness might be pairs of two. So when you talk about your partner, you're talking about a, a very serious long-term kind of relationship because you and some, some other Blizzness have learned to do things in a, a, a synchronized fashion. So that you know the handoffs that you would normally do as a person uh, with your own brain, they would have gotten to the point where they could do it back and forth themselves. And the fact that they're slightly telepathic because of their empathy might also be a factor here in making sure that they work in a in a very synchronous fashion. So I think he's on to something. I think that maybe he's right about the fact that they would have some very strong social pairings going on that have nothing to do with reproduction. Yeah, you know, I could even see terms coming about that they would have that we wouldn't have, like craft pair or craft couple. So, like, instead of having a craftsman, you would have a craft couple. So, using uh, one trunk each and their telepathic abilities, I could see two of them working in unison as if they were one creature and they wouldn't even realize that they were doing it. Like, you know, it wouldn't be like, hey, you take this in now and I'll hold this in down here. Okay, I'm going to carve this. Don't move. It wouldn't be like that at all. You know, they would, the two of them would move together much like what you see in like in a school of fish when you see the, the fish all change direction at the right time. And you might even see this with three or four depending on, on the task mm -hmm. at hand. 
they would be working in this unison that would seem impossible uh, for for one of us to work in uh, as pairs or, or triplets or quadrants, you know, quadruplets. Um, but th- they would be able to do that. Yeah. Um, I I have an idea on that. If their minds are that linked due to you know just how they work together. I mean, you could get into the concept of a hive mind mentality almost, but on limited scale. It, the hive mind would, I guess the best word would be sync up, depending on the mutual need at the time. Well, if we need, you know, okay, we need six people to do this, okay, and then they just, you know, click into that limited hive mind, and they just go to it and go nuts. And then when they're done with whatever project, the minds separate out of that link, and they go their separate ways. Bruce pointed that they're empathic, not telepathic, which is a different thing altogether. But well, still, even with empathy, you can still work together in a close unison like that. Well, yeah. empathy is the reading of emotions, and I'm sure that the Blizznes would especially have also body la- a real good, I guess, kinesthetic sense mm-hmm. of reading each other's body language. And obviously, they wouldn't be able to do that with humans because the form is different. I mean, elephantine as opposed to the primate physiology. They'd be able to read their own body language really well. Some a fellow Blizznes, and then the empathic link as well. Between that, they w- would work as one. That's Humans, nice. they just have the empathic gift. Okay, I can read your emotional state, but because your form is so alien to me, I can't pick up if you're hiding something. You know, if your you know mm-hmm. your your emotional state is off. So no. yeah, I could see them where they would sync up like that between body language and the empathic talent that. Yeah. They would work as a limited hive mind. Yeah. We have a concept uh, in uh, business and things like that, which is called just-in-time supply, which is where you want to reduce the amount of inventory and the amount of time spent storing things by making sure it arrives just at the right time. And so uh, I see that being very much in the case of the business because when they need something, then you're going to have a, a low-grade sense of a frustration because what you want isn't there just then. And if they're very empathic, then they would automatically be able to pick up on that and just step in and do what you needed to do. So again, you'd see these situations like they look really great on the movies where people are handing stuff off to each other and and uh, like restaurants and things like that and, and 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 various dance type things and I think they would do it almost invisibly, almost uh, unconsciously because they would feel that the guy next to him or a girl, you know, business is frustrated about something. Look over, see the need, step in to take care of it, and then when and when that was done, they would then step away because they didn't weren't needed anymore and their own needs would also be taken care of in this big synthesis that's going on in their community. So you could look at these people and say, wow, you know, how are they able to do that? How are they able to be so in sync with each other? And of course, it's because they have that empathetic sense. All right. So a thought came to me while we were talking about this. Do you think that they would have a hard time dealing with other races that don't have that sort of community link like they do? Would they find... Would they find us off-putting? Would they? I mean, maybe not. Maybe not the Demixie, because I imagine the Demixie sort of have that that insectial kind of hive mind thinking thing. Uh, Demixie are spiders, arachnids, so they may actually not have. There have been no instances of of 
social spiders except for a movie called Arachnophobia. Yeah, uh, except 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 that they kind of are. They do live in society yeah. like us. So well, maybe they, well, okay. So so probably not to mix it. They probably have the same kind of um, social society as we do. You know, social. Yeah. I'm sorry, social structure as we do. So all right. So let's just say you know uh, I would imagine the Blizzards probably have the strongest uh, social structure when it comes to um, uh, the social needs of each other within their group. So do you think that other races would off put them somewhat? Do you think they would be a little weary of other races simply for oh, that fact? Because they're herd animals. With other herd animals, they wouldn't have a problem. But us monkey people come walking up and we smile at them and we bare our teeth. Which for most you know, most creatures, that means I'm ready to eat you. First people to meet them will forget and smile. Well, that's why they tell you never smile showing your teeth. It's a sign of aggression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would probably would have met the humans the first time I did came through the portal. Yeah. Read them and go, they're mind blind or psi blind. Where, okay, or, we can't pick up on that empathetic sense. We can read their emotions, but we're not getting that sync up. And they don't have a form like ours, so we can't read their body language. They may be smiling and they may see it as a sign of aggression. Because, well, no, remember, Blizzness didn't have any other predators on their world, if I remember the. the, the no, no, they, they do it. No, 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 there are predators. They just leave the Blizzness alone. The predators have learned to stay away from the Blizzness. Well, it's because they realize that the Blizzness, after all this time, can read their emotions and get out of dodge before it's like, okay, I see that predator. And I can tell anger. We might want to leave. Yeah. Well, not only that, or, but the bliz- Blizzness are, are sapient beings. And they've got their calming field. When you get a herd of blizzards, any predator worth of salt is going to stay away from that herd because he'll get within stone throwing range and go, wow, man, look at the pretty flowers. And then get stoned to death by the blizzards. Right. <laughs> yeah, That's just dirty pool using a calming <laughs> field to, to beat the crap out of somebody. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, what else do you have? What, what else is in that question? Oh. Would the Blizzness not have a defined caste system? Maybe one built on guilds, such as a Weaver's Guild, the Basket Guild, a Water Seeker Guild. Oh, there's a second question. That is, right. are there guilds in the month of Blizzness? Are there are there Blizzness who have defined roles in society? You're a son of a Weaver. You're always going to be a son of a Weaver. You're always going to be a Weaver. Ah, see, here here's the thing. Usually, <laughs> the convention with. Um, telepathic and empathic societies everyone's equal because you can't lie i don't think there would be a caste society so much as your guild is better than mine it's like you're all equal we can all read each other's emotions we all we can't hide lies from each other i don't think there would be a caste system so much i would think that the guilds might have in more importance like okay we're low on baskets Fine, the Basket Weavers Guild need to get out there and start finding reeds so we can weave. Overrunning oh, lawn water, okay. The, I would think the need for the um, the need for importance in the structure would depend on the situation of the group at hand. If water's running low, well, then that Water Seeker Guild is going to become real popular real quick. And if they don't find water, yeah, then they're going to be looked down upon. It's like you know what, we're 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 dying of thirst here, and you guys are you know. You're not picking up the ball. But I don't think that there would be a permanent cast uh, one over another importance just because they're all empathic. They're all 
on the same playing field. They can all read each other constantly. And they have that limited hive mind quality. So, no, I don't think there would be so much a, you're stuck in this position and I'm better than you because you're in this lower position. That type of cast system, I don't think so. I see guild more so than cast. I have to agree with you on that. I would I would say I can definitely see guilds, but as for cast, I, I just totally don't see that because you're right. Because a cast system generally means that you're stuck in it. It means that that uh, that is something that you have to do. And if you're empathic and you have to feel the empathy from well, a creature that has to do something. Actually, I'm wondering about that empathy. I'm looking at the at the write up about it in the D20 version. Uh, we don't. There's no mention of them being empathic. Just they have that calming field. Their calming field is part of them. It's not just something that is exuded like yeah. a protective coloration. It's part of who they are. They're very gentle. They're very caring, and they exude that as part of their calming field. So, okay, actually, then if they're calm and they exude a calm upon others. Me being, you know, the superhero comic book geek that I am, I would say that it is more, they call the power empathic transference. So we can call it an empathic transference field. I think that at the same time is that if they were, if that, if that calming field was ever disrupted by an internal, you know, problem as far as some frustration or something like that, I think the other members of their race would be very quick to pick up on that. Well, again, I think that would be read on body language. Let's say I was a blizzniz and all of a sudden my empathic transference field shorted out. Let's say could be brain injury. Let's say it could be another side dampening it. I would be, because it's something that is part of me constantly and all of a sudden I can't do it anymore. Let's say I were to lose my sight. Visibly, I'd be freaking out. And other people would see this fear on my face and the fellow blizzniz would realize he's not exuding his calming field. There's something wrong. They would pick up on that, not due to any empathic sense, but just, hey, this guy's freaking out. Something's wrong. It does uh, make me consider like the sociopaths, because sociopaths, we have some evidence that it may actually be genetically, you know, the person is, just may lack the brain, the brain function to be, uh, 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 at least in humans, lack the, the ability to actually socialize. They just... They just can't see other people as well people, and I'm wondering if there's something like that in the within the business population that you know a random mutation every so often happens, and you get a business who basically doesn't fit the mold. I would you, think then that they would probably be outcast because everybody's got this calming field and this one doesn't. Well, yeah, they, or or everybody has this calming field and this one isn't affected by it. So he has the calming field, but he's not affected by it. So he gets nah. to cheat. Don't know. It's more like if, I think the two will be really tied to each other. So if you don't have one, you don't have the other. And you, but in that case, he becomes an outcast, and outcasts don't last long. You know, right. in yeah. this sort of society. Well, if they're generally a laid back race, I don't think that they would sit there and you know. Kick him out. The blizzness would probably, you know, pick up that he's not really welcome. He doesn't fit in. And probably, you don't know, there might be an outcast group of blizzness who are together out of mutual survival. Because obviously these these beings have to 
you know, safety numbers. They have to stick together to survive. Mm -hmm. The random ones that don't have this field, they may end up being off on their own and just surviving mutually on their own. They've had to learn to live without this and seek out others who may have it. It may be once in a generation, there may be like a small village or group or whatever their settlements would be called. Well, no, they're probably nomadic creatures. So, yeah. you know, a well, small group that, okay, we're together because we don't have this. You know, we're safety numbers. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I see it like that, that every once in a while they would, you know, be off on their own because they realize they don't fit in. Which means these folks have a harder time with the helping hands. Because they don't have the empathic field, they don't have this empathic ability, they really got to work at working together. Yeah, I, I agree on that. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Like to have random mutation in any race. Yeah. So, yeah, it will come up once in a while where there may it be a blizzness without this calming field, and they would be a mutation. It would be, I wouldn't say so much a recessive gene because those pop up more than a mutation, but... Yeah, every so often, maybe once every couple generations or so, this might happen. And it's just a random genetic quirk. I'm no geneticist in any stretch of the imagination, but just, I would figure that would just come up after a while. Let's move on to the next question. I can visualize the blizzness being repulsed by individuals. As a loner, can only do half as much or nothing at all. This leads to cultural quirks such as, it's a loner, to mean something without value. And the word hand and friend are the same. An introduction is, this is my best hand, meaning their friend or their constant companion. So that sort of cuts into it, then, doesn't it? It's, it sort of falls out with what we're talking about. If you're not part of the herd, what are you? And when they would have met, and when IDET would have met the Blizzness, they would, they'll just consider IDET and humanity in general another herd. This is a new herd of the strange, and because we, I looked at the questions... Blizzness considered humans funny-looking blizzness. Okay, these blizzness, they're a herd. They act together. They're mind-blind. They can't pick up on emotions like we do. They seem to, you know, interact due to familiarity with each other. Yeah. Okay, fine. They're their own type of blizzness. Yeah. I don't but think the that they would sit there and go, oh, he's an individual. <gasps> no, I mean, they would have realized... Once they met humans and doped them out, that, yeah, you know, they, they worked together through cooperation and, and um, familiarity with each other. And so, in yeah. an IDET team, you're going to have that. Yeah. But I do like this idea of the, uh, the, 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 the word for friend and the word for hand is the exact same word, which could lead to some interesting, you know, mental translation issues when, with the gifted language. If they ask you to lend a hand, what does that you know? Does that even translate into blizzness? Does lend a hand translate to blizzness? It probably doesn't. Yeah, there would be a loss in translation there. The yeah. the blizzness would just look at you confused. It's like lend a hand. I you want to use my best hand? You you want to you know? And they would just be like, huh? But when we get a language, you know, we do un understand the best use of their idioms. So I don't see that as big, a big problem. You'd say, hey, lend a hand, and his buddy starts shuffling forward. That's true. Yeah. It, it would translate to the yeah. most appropriate idiom. You're right. It would translate. Yeah. 
So instead of Lin- Lin- Linda Hannah, it might translate into, uh, I, I need I need help. Yeah. Can someone help me? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Yeah. Which, which kind of is the same as Linda Hand, but at the same time isn't. So could you imagine, I mean, I don't know if the, do the Blizzners have a written language at all? No, humanity had to introduce that. They are fantastic oral. So, so could you imagine the difficulties of the guy trying to? He's like, wait a minute now, hold on. I don't get this. I say Linda Hand, and that means what? And you know, I, I well, could, I could see a lot of that going on with the blizzard. Oh yeah, I could see the ident uh, philologist going. Just stop. Wait a minute. You said what? Yeah, right. Because they would have to have philologists come through the portals and say, okay. We are going to give you. We are going to make up characters for these letters and sounds, and character, and we're going to combine them to make an alphabet. Of course, the concept of an alphabet would be, you know, just writing would be would blow the blizzness's minds. Like, wait a minute, you put stuff down, symbols for words. That way, then, and on on some material, that way, then you could save it for later. We just pass stories from generation to generation. They are Bronze Age technology, and. Be honest, Bronze Age was also the age of writing, so there must be some way of them. No, no, it says not, John. It says they learned that as part of the IDEC contact. Yeah, wow. I would think that they, if if they were Bronze Age, they just some technologies don't appear in certain cultures. I mean, we've seen this in all the IDEC cultures where okay, history has progressed to this point, but maybe they didn't invent this. They may be Bronze Age. It's just writing because of how they are. We just pass mm-hmm. or orally. That's what we've always done. We've had no need for a written language. Just think uh, what we just talked about, how, how close-knit they are, how much of a tighter community they are than we are, and, and how much they get from context and emotion. I, honestly, I think it would be very difficult for them to even have a written language, for them to even come up with a written language, simply because I would imagine – quite a bit of their spoken language is unspoken. They can probably pass uh, meaning along without even having to say it. So they wouldn't say, they wouldn't tell you, I'm, you know, hey, I'm feeling pretty good. They would never even need to say that because you would know. You would know how they feel. So those you know, words like happy might even have very, very limited use in their language. Um, and, and then I was thinking – can you imagine how difficult they have a, how difficult time they have with some of our punctuation? Like they wouldn't need question marks or exclamation points because those would be things that would be in, conveyed empathetically. Um, so they would just, what do you mean? I need a question mark? I just say my sentence, and he knows it's a question. It's the whole point of nonverbal communication. I took a class in this in college where you know body language and how you you know your position will can convey things that spoken word cannot and the blizzness with you know the calming field and with how they read each other there would be very many concepts of the written language that would just elude them they would look and just go why do you have this this is it's redundant you don't need it and they would just look well you're mind blind okay we understand why you have this well this is no big surprise we've had the same thing happen on earth some of the early languages didn't have any punctuation today you wouldn't dream of writing a sentence without punctuation because we understand how much such concepts bring to it. So I think that, uh, yes, they would have trouble developing a language by themselves, but I think that with the help of other sapient races who communicate so well with 
language, written language and other types, pictograms and other things, I think they'll be able to come up with a language that suits them very well and, and possibly even is able to grab some of these emotional things that maybe we sometimes don't get across too well in, like, English. I, I would think that the written language would serve at best as, okay, we've written the concept down, a human reading it would pick up on it, a blizzness would still look and be like, oh my God, you're only telling half the story. You missed this context and this and this and this. And they would be like, you gave a travelogue. You gave an abridged version of this rich, texture-filled concept, and you're only giving the people who read this half the story. It would be yeah. like the series Sherlock where John blogs and Sherlock's going, but you missed this and this about me and this, and you just put this very dry blog up about how I solved this. The blizzness would be the same way. You're writing about a walk in the park or walking to a particular part of the blizzness world. And because they have this emotional context that cannot be conveyed in this simply written language, a blizzness would read this language after he learns it, after the IDIP philologists teach him, and they, he would just be like, you missed so much on that walk that I pick up on, that other people of my race pick up on. Yeah. This language is at best a stopgap measure. We will use it. Yes. Okay, fine. You are learning about our culture, but you weren't there. And also other people of my race reading this will miss out on what we pick up by experiencing and the emotional content. So yeah, I can see they would do a written language, but then they'd be kind of like, it's okay. Thank you for making the symbols. You know, what the philologists may do is not actually just give them a language but work with them in developing their lang their own version of a written language. It oh, may, I, I, I agree, John. I yeah, agree. yeah, and it may it may actually be for them very simple. When, when a human looks at it and he goes, "Oh my god!" Well, because <laughs> you would have to have certain types of. Let's say you have a rune for, and I'll use rune pictogram whatever. Let's say you have a pictogram for rain. Fine. You may have certain accents and certain different things you do with that rune may that may describe how that rain was. Remember, the Inuits up in Alaska have 37 different words for snow. Well, Because snow is such a constant part of their life and their culture and their, their ecosystem that there are different types of snow. Oh, this well, is the type of snow that used for snowballs. This was a light, flaky snow. This was a heavy snow. We just say snow. Uh, well, the blizzards yeah. would have the same way. Let's say you have a pictogram of, <laughs> oh, a diagonal infinity sign that means rain. Well, you could sit there and put a line through and it means this type of rain. Or you could put like an apostrophe on the left side and it means, oh, it was a warm spring rain. Or you could put an apostrophe on the right side and it means a cold rain in the fall. And or so... Oh, I was going to point out something, or they do like the Mayan did. The Mayan have a wonderful pictogram, or actually they're, they're called glyphs. You know, they, they they use different glyphs for different different sounds in the language. It may just be that you know, instead of a language, this uh, pictograms, we may actually just do uh, sounds. But we 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 still have, we never did find out do the if the blizzards are have subsonic components to their speech or not. 
Well, I don't know. An elephant can rumble pretty low. I would think if they're based on elephantine phys physiology, they might have base and, you know, certain base tones that, again, would have to be conveyed in the written language. Let's say they sit there and they want to talk about, okay, I was really angry. And just this, this predator, let's say, I'm throwing out an example here, a predator that you know, came through the fringe portals or a guy that came through the fringe portals that was immune to my calming field. And I was angry about this guy. Well, then you'd have to, you'd have to try to write that to convey that whole emotion. And you'd have to come up with the, actually, the, um, actually elephants can make subsonic sounds. If they, yeah. they, they actually communicate over really long distances using uh, low frequency infrasound. So. So, that, so the blizzards may actually have two different kinds of spoken language. Yes. They have close language, and they have far and they have far far language. Right. You know, so, and they may be able to do both at the same time. And oh yeah, they mix it. Oh yeah, it could really be. Um, in D and D, there is a race known as the Desmodu. They are basically like eight foot tall bat people, and they're in Savage Species, and also in the Dark Horizons module. Um, they have a sub and ultrasonic, because, you know, the bats in their hearing, they have a sub and ultrasonic range in their language. Desmodu language, non-Desmodu cannot speak it or understand it because they neither have the vocal capacity nor the oral capacity to pick up on that language. So they have to use undercommon and Terran in order to talk to other races. I can well, see the business. I can see the business. That close and far language. I would take the. I would take it, John, that the close language is the subsonic, where they no, would. No, no. Other way. Other way around. The far is a subsonic language, and the close language is the spoken. You know, they they actually speak and is audible in the human range. But okay. you were talking. But you were talking about language. One thought about where the language transition problems would come in is not from the gifted language. It's when the blizzard decides to learn to speak a human language. Uh, you think learning Chinese is difficult? Well, yeah, it's a multi-tonal uh, language. Yeah, I could see where. But, but blizzness learning English or learning or learning in that language, you know, a language that doesn't have a, 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 like French or a other language. It's not. We're, we really are talking two different two different species with different ways of communicating. It may the blizzness may actually not be able to learn English. Let's say the blizzness were to come to a neutral world where let's say it's a lifeless world therefore the gifted language there's well none therefore the blizzness would have to speak in english and they would be listening to how dull sounding it sounds because there's no subsonic accents to it and they would look and go your language is is dead there's no life there's no there's no vibrance to it. You have the one sound. We have this deep bass sound, which we can put so much emotion into. And your emotion, your your language sounds so lifeless. And they wouldn't say it to be mean. It's just they'd be like, compared to ours, your language is, well, meh. Yeah. Okay, you have a nice spoken tongue. I'm sure you have your oral translations. But you so miss out on emotional context because you don't have that certain to it. So hey, I could see, yeah, they'd be kind of like, you know, okay, yeah, it's a cute language and pat them on the head with their trunk, you know. Th think about it like this. It's like, um, 
you know, people say, oh, the book was better than the movie. You know, it's like every com- every live conversation uh, is better than any written word for them. Well, yeah. What's the what's the term from Star Trek five? Uh, you have not read Shakespeare until you've read in the original Klingon. Yeah, you right. haven't read, you haven't talked about it until you've talked about it. This this story on Blizzness. Yeah, you humans have recited it, but you have not fully experienced it until you've right. spoken the original Blizzness. You know, so it'd be the yeah. same thing. Humans visiting uh, the Blizzness homeworld would, would probably take their shoes off because even though we can't really hear it, you can still feel it. You might be able to at least get a little bit of that subsonic conversation by standing on the ground because that's mainly where it's being transmitted through is the ground. Oh, I got something else. Sound okay. travels real well through water. Ooh. Blizzness pool party. <laughs> <laughs> Blizzness beach blanket bingo. Yeah, anyways. Um, first, uh, we'll have, first, we'll have the pool party, and then we'll have the <laughs> dust bath. <laughs> oh, no. But, yeah, the Blizzness language, to us, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be picking up on the subside. And even then, we'd feel the vibration. We would not hear the range of the vibration. The blizzness would be going, okay, you're, feel, you're, you're barefoot in the ground or you're standing in the water. You feel that there are vibrations there. To, the blizzness would go to the humans. It's gibberish to you. You're not getting the context. You just feel, but you don't, and I'm going to use the quotes, the visual, you don't feel it. It's something you feel in your soul, so to speak, it's just not a vibration. It's not a physical vibration that you feel in your limbs as it travels through this medium. So, yeah, the blizzness would look at humans and go, okay, you have a spoken language. You have this written language, which is something we don't have. But you're missing out on a lot because it's not the blizzness. And it would be an ethnocentric thing. There would be a lot of diplomatic because of losses in translation. The philologists would be working for years to try to find, okay, we have this word for rain. These different accents depend on the emotional context that you guys are transmitting at the time. It would take years. It would be like Tolkien making up Elven and Dwarven on his own because he had to translate certain things based on the mindsets of the races that he portrayed in his books. This would not be, oh, six months we have a written language. No, this would take years. Okay. Yeah, yeah philologists would have, we would be working both with uh, subsonic microphones and seismophones because that's what a lot of the conversation is coming through as well. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.
Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.